it's good to be back here at Real Life, and uh, so glad that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. If you're new, my name's Justin Jordan, I'm the lead minister here, and we are in the middle of a sermon series through the summer called The Summer on the Mount, which is a play on words on the Sermon on the Mount that we find in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and it's been a great series so far as we've been kind of wrestling through the words of Jesus in regards to how he sees us. And how he views us and actually what he's calling us to be in regards to his followers, his disciples. And uh, really what does it look like to actually live how he's intended us to live. And how are we called to live in the kingdom of God. And what has he designed us for. And so we've been kind of in this process of in the first part of the sermon series kind of looking at what does it look like to be a part of the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be his people. And now Jesus has begun to move into talking about hot topic issues of the first century in regards to what does this actually mean in the sense of how we're called to live this out and he's starting to deal with the heart what does the heart actually look like in being a follower of Jesus and so last two weeks it's been great Uh, John Whitaker was here and then Joe was preaching last week they've been doing a great job filling in while I've been gone taking some time away with my family and uh, today we're dealing with a topic that um, is It seems like no matter what stage of life I'm in, uh, Jesus is still speaking to me in regards to this topic. And here's the, I guess, opening question that I want to ask you guys, and and I'm wondering if you feel the same way I do, uh, is this question that I think that all of us as human beings wrestle with, and that I wrestle with, and I remember at a very young age wrestling with this question, and it's really two questions. Number one, who am I? And number two, am I accepted? Number one, who am I? Number two, am I accepted? And I remember wrestling with that question at a very young age as a child and, and beginning the process of trying to figure out who Jesus was and wanting to follow him and, and wanting to accept him as Lord, my Savior. And really the question I was wrestling with is, is who am I and am I accepted? Does, does God love me? And I think that he loves me, but I want to make sure that he loves me and, and learning about Jesus growing up in Sunday school. And then later on in middle school, I remember uh, when it changed, life changed, like School was different from elementary school to middle school. Like, in a blink of an eye, all of a sudden, like, things are different. Uh, people are acting different, and they're saying different things. And the question I was wrestling with is, who am I, and am I accepted? Anybody remember that in middle school? Who am I, and am I accepted? And really wrestling with, well, if I behave this way, and I do these things, then I probably won't be accepted. But if I do these things and act this way, I will be accepted. And then later on in high school, like, the same thing. Like, the, the bar changed. Things changed. And I still wrestle with, who am I? And will I be accepted? And as we grow older into adulthood, like, I used to think, oh, I don't care what people think. But the reality is, I still care what people think. Anybody else? Like, who am I? Will I be accepted? I think it's one of the core questions we ask as human beings. And the reality of it is, is, is we have an amazing message in Jesus where he accepts us where we're at, but calls us to live differently. And because of the blood of Jesus, he accepts us where we're at, and he calls us to live a different life. Uh, Tim Keller is a, is a pastor that I respected and appreciate. He spoke a lot of truth into my life through his books and through his sermons and different things I listened to, who passed away uh, a couple months ago. It's one of my favorite quotes he says. He says, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared 
hope. So the question is, am I loved? And I, am I accepted? And, and the simple answer to that is, in Jesus, yes. Yes, you are. You are loved. Uh, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for you is God's proof that he loves you, and he wants to accept you, and he wants you to be in relationship with him. The reality of it is, I don't always really believe that. And when I live a life where I don't always really believe that, my life becomes fragmented, incongruent. Um, It becomes not a full picture of what Jesus has for me. And today in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be wrestling through what happens when I don't really believe that I'm loved? What happens when I believe I'm not really accepted? What happens when I live a life that's not congruent with what Jesus wants and has for me? And if we're not careful, it becomes a very slippery slope of what we can go down. What is this path? What is, what is it Jesus is talking about? I'd love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus is starting into some topics where he saw, starts to speak very harshly. He says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, And be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. And we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Big chunk of text, right? Big chunk of text, but it's a chunk of text where Jesus is actually continuing the conversation of what it means to be his people, and he's getting to the heart of the matter in regards to the issues that were taking place in the first century. And I want you to notice that there's a common repetition in this big chunk of scripture. Common repetition. Three different sections where Jesus is calling out a certain phrase, a certain thing. Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. So when you give to the needy, Do not announce it with trumpets as hypocrites do in the synagogues 
and on the streets, which they didn't necessarily do in the first century. This isn't a literal description of what they did, but it's hyperbole. It's a description of, are you actually giving to the needy or are you wanting to give to the needy so people know that you're giving to the needy? Jesus says, do not be like the, what's he say? Do not be like the hypocrites to be honored by others. Matthew chapter five, verse, uh, uh, chapter six, verse five. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Verse 16, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. It's pretty clear. Jesus is calling out the hypocrites who have elevated social status, wanting to be accepted above pleasing God. Why are they doing this? Probably lots of different reasons. But the core of it, how do people see me? How do people see me? What Jesus is asking his followers to be as a group of people that they do everything for his eyes alone. You see, the gospel is a gospel message where people's opinions, social status, all the different things that we see in the world, those go away. And really what Jesus is asking for is that our allegiance would be to him and to him alone. And Jesus is a good king. He's a good God. And when we put him rightly in his place where he has our sole allegiance, we then have the ability to walk out what it is he's calling us to live out in his kingdom. And the moment that we switch that, the moment that we elevate people and put them in the place of God, things don't work. That doesn't mean that when we make Jesus our sole king and Lord, that doesn't mean that life's easy. It doesn't mean that life's simple, but it is good. And it does mean that there's eternal implications involved in how we live. And so Jesus is calling out the hypocrites. He's like, don't be like them. And I would argue Jesus is actually thinking of a specific people group when he talks about the hypocrites because it's kind of mentioned throughout the rest of the Gospels. Like, for example, later on in Luke uh, chapter 12, Jesus says this, Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. So the first thing you need to understand, yeast, this idea of yeast, it has to do with growth. As we know, yeast is in dough, and when it is cooked, yeast spreads, dough rises. And so yeast is actually used as a metaphor in the Bible that has to do with growth. Sometimes it's good growth, sometimes it's not good growth. It's bad growth, kind of like cancer. And Jesus says, be on guard, be aware against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is, what's it say? Which is hypocrisy. Don't be like the hypocrites, he says. Don't be like the Pharisees. It's hypocrisy. This is something really powerful in verse two. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. What do we learn? God sees, hears everything. 
And his people are people that walk in the light and the truth of Jesus and is not like a hypocrite who says one thing but then does another or maybe does things wrong with the does the right things with the wrong motives. What we learn about what Jesus is asking his followers to understand is that correct actions with improper motives it displeases God. Correct actions with improper motives it displeases God. So if this is true I just want to ask you this morning where do you have hypocrisy in your life? Where on the surface it looks really good, but the motive for why you're doing it isn't good. What area in your life do you call on other people to do certain things, but your own heart is not inclined to the things of God? We should take a close examination of our heart and ask the question. What does it look like to enter into the kingdom of God? For some of you this morning, it's really apparent. It's really apparent because you're battling sin in your life and you can't seem to overcome it. And you haven't let anybody in to the real truth of what's going on inside of your heart. You look religious on the outside, but on the inside, you're wasting away. Your heart is not in alignment with Jesus. For some of us, it's just... A willingness, are you at least willing to be honest that you are a hypocrite? Because I think for every single one of us in this room, for all of us, we are hypocrites, aren't we? Like, I am not perfect in my walk with Jesus. Are you at least willing to be honest with it? Because the people of Jesus' day, they weren't willing to be honest about it. And this is what Jesus is calling out. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like the hypocrites who look great on the outside but on the inside, their motives, their desires, they're not really honoring me. I love what John Bevere says. He says, it's easy to believe we must perform outward acts of holiness and religion in order to fix a problem ourselves. But the Lord knows that we can never be purified out of our own willpower. Instead, he is looking for an inward change of heart for a pure heart that produces pure motives and conduct. So where's your heart? Is it surrendered? Or are you just performing acts? Um, the heart, as the Bible says, is the wellspring of life, and it says to guard it. And this is like not any more apparent in my own life um, and in my family's life as a parent, as I'm leading and discipling and disciplining my children. You guys have heard me use this analogy, but or this illustration, but it's just, it keeps popping up. And that is the reality is when kids are fighting, when my kids are fighting, when my kids try and argue with me, like it is so apparent that the heart is the wellspring of life and it should be guarded. Because here's the thing. When my kids are fighting and I'm asking them to apologize to one another, and to ask for forgiveness, it matters how you apologize and ask for forgiveness. Would you guys agree with that? For any of you that are married in a relationship, you know this, because if the other person says, sorry, are they really sorry? No. Like, to say sorry and to empathize, ability to empathize and to see the other person's point of view and to recognize your own 
mistake or failure in the broken relationship, that takes a heart of humility. And guess what? Sometimes that process is slow. Like, I wish that my kids would just be like, <clears throat> instantly humble, ask for forgiveness, apologize, and it'd be all good. But man, sometimes it's a process, right? And why is that? Because at the core of it, what do I want? I want their heart and their actions to match up. Why? Because I don't want them to be a hypocrite. <laughs> I don't want them to ask for forgiveness but not really understand the brokenness that's going on in the relationship. And then on the flip side, when someone says, will you please forgive me, my daughter, and she goes, yeah, I'll forgive you. Like, that's not forgiveness, right? But the ability to get to the heart of the matter and to ask the question, where is my heart? Do my actions match up with my heart? This is what Jesus is actually getting to the core of. What does it look like for me to walk in wholeness, my head, my heart, and my actions in alignment to Jesus' lordship in my life or what people think about me? My religious acts, my giving to the needy, my praying, my fasting. Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Why are you coming to church this morning? Why do you go to home group? Why do you give? Why do you serve? All these things we have to be willing to self-reflect on and go, am I like the Pharisees or am I walking as Jesus intended me to walk? Here's the truth of what Scripture says. Where your heart is in private, that's what you really are. Where your heart is in private, that's who you really are. And Jesus said it plainly. It'll all come out in the open. In this life or the life to come, Scripture says, it's all going to be laid bare. It's all going to be out in the open. And so ultimately, we have to ask our hearts this question. Are my, is my heart inclined to the things that God wants? And am I living a life out of a life from that? Or is my heart incongruent with the reality of my actions Here's the common misbelief, though. The common misbelief is that whatever I do in private, that that's not going to be rewarded. But the reality is Jesus says something else in the midst of this section of Scripture. You notice, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites. But then he also says this, that if you, if you practice what I'm inviting you to practice in private, he then says three things Another thing he keeps saying. Notice what he says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 4b. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will, what's he say? Will reward you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 18. And your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. It's almost word for word. That last section, a little bit different. But Jesus is trying to hammer home a point here. Whatever you do in public that's not in alignment with me, you've received what you wanted to receive. Honor, status, reputation, you received it. But if you want to receive my blessing, you're not going to receive it. 
But if you do the things, the right things, in the right way, with the right heart and the right actions, I will reward you. I think it's something that we miss oftentimes as believers. That just because we do things in private, oh, well, it's not going to be seen. No, it is seen. And you will receive a reward. And so we've got to ask ourselves, which one are we going to choose? You will be rewarded with your private devotion or your incongruent public image. You must choose. And when you choose in those moments, what you are doing is you're actually deciding who is Lord of your life. This world, what people think, or Jesus? Who is your Lord? Who is your King? This truth has significant implications for how we live. For example, at home, are you the same Father at home as you are at church? Are you the same father in home group or the same mother in home group as you are at home? Is your life consistent? When it comes to discipling your children, the standards that you put in place for them, are they the same for you? I don't want my kids looking at that on their phone. Is that the same for you? I don't want my kids watching that movie. Is it the same for you? Like, is there consistency in every area of your life? And the honest people will say, no, (laughs) no. The humble people will say, no. The hypocrites continue to put on a show. What does your life look like in private and in public? Here's a question I've been wrestling with for myself. It's been very challenging for me this year. Am I the same person on stage on Sunday as when I'm coaching my son's baseball team during the week. Man. Here's the good news. We have a king that if you're honest, if we're honest about the incongruencies the Bible says it he is quick to forgive and so for every single one of us that is willing to admit I'm not consistent I at times am a hypocrite he says that he is quick to forgive and so all of us 
All of us have the ability on Sunday mornings in group, all throughout the week in our relationship with Jesus to say, Jesus, I still am not getting this right. I need your grace and your forgiveness. And he says, you, you are forgiven. And so for, for all of us this morning, if we're willing to just look at our lives honestly in the private and in the public, and to ask for forgiveness, Jesus says, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I will forgive you. And this is the good news of the gospel. And so where are you at this morning? On just looking at your life, and this is really the main take home, this statement, you must choose. Are you living a life that is the same in the private as in the public? And if not, Jesus says, I will forgive you if you're willing to acknowledge it. Because it's the poor in spirit, as we learned a couple weeks ago, the poor in spirit that are blessed. So as we wrap up this morning, as we get ready to take communion together as a family, I want to invite you just to evaluate your life, evaluate your walk with Jesus, and ask the question, am I truly surrendered to Jesus? And where are the incongruencies in my life? And am I willing to acknowledge those, bring those to Jesus, knowing that he is quick to forgive, quick to redeem, quick to restore you as you learn what it means to walk with him? If you didn't receive communion this morning, as you came in and you would like to take communion now, these amazing servants would love to serve you. Just raise your hand and keep your hand up, and they'll be sure to bring communion to you this morning. We've got couple people over here, Kim, right over here. Go ahead and spend some time with Jesus this morning. Have a conversation with him. We'll take communion together here as a family together.